Well, I mean, so, like, it's obvious that, you know, whatever happened to him, he was living some other life for 14 months. Right. But the scary thing is, like, what did he do during those 14 months? Where did he go? Did he do something that is going to come back to haunt him 20 years later when someone shows up at his doorstep and is like, you know, what'd you do to my sister? Or, you know, like... You stole I mean, it's, my story. It's getting very soap opera, but, like, you know, you don't... I That's why I don't really do... You know, I don't really do drugs. I don't drink. Like, I don't want to lose that... I don't want to lose that control or that, that awareness that I have. I like to be able to connect the dots from A to B... the second season of spooky brew because when you realize you've done a podcast for a year and then you go back you're like oh my god it's, this would be considered on netflix the second season yeah <laughs> and i'm so excited but welcome back guys as you hopefully listened to our first episode of spooky brew we talked about five haunted locations and today kyle has a special one for us so we're going to be, I'm not going to reveal it yet. I'm going to let Kyle reveal it. Uh, yes. But I'm very excited for this because I'm always curious about these type of cases and the mysteries that get involved. But before we do that, let's introduce ourselves. Kyle, my man, my boy, Kyle. How's it going? It's me, Kyle. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm a amateur comedian on this podcast, nowhere else. <laughs> And uh, I draw and write and I uh, ponder existence. Uh, yeah, uh, you can find me at uh, on uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram at kr underscore Hinton, H-I-N-T-O-N. Find me on YouTube at kr Hinton, all in word. Find me uh, at the webs at my web address at www.krhinton.com. Uh, and uh, yeah, just Google me. I'm sure I'm somewhere. You can find my books and my stories and all the good stuffs that I do or have did earlier this year because I really have slacked off this year, but I'm trying to get back into it now that I'm all set up in my new place. Um, but that's all I got from me, Sarah. Tell us about yourself. It's me, your girl, Sarah Wilkie, creator of Life's Honest Tea blog and podcast. Uh, you can find all of our podcast content and blogs at lifeshonesttea.com and you can find more social media and entertaining things at lifeshonesttea on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, I also did launch recently with a friend a shop which is We Luxury where we sell you know luxurious earrings because you gotta be beautiful you gotta look beautiful but without the price tag because god forbid the price tag. I, I look at it put it back Though I want it, I'm going to put it back. Yeah, jewelry is, can get expensive. Jewelry can get expensive. And that was the goal of We Luxury is we want to give people that luxurious look and feel without the heavy price tag attached to it. So you can check that out as well. Uh, Tao Lee is also the co-owner and creator of that shop. And we're very excited because we launched it a couple weeks, I think, ago now. So it's been very exciting. I've learned a lot so much about e-commerce. E-commerce is amazing, amazing platform, but 
that's where you can get all that information. And if you want to see more than you should, you can check my personal Instagram out at Sarah Brecken on Instagram, where you see boudoir photography, personal photography, food, because food is a passion. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Okay. If it wasn't for gaining weight from eating, I'm pretty sure that it would just be food porn on my Instagram all the time. But no, eat healthy, stay fit. You could always make the food and then just throw it away. No, that's a waste of food. <laughs> Kyle, there's people starving. That's a starving. fallacy. If you're not going to eat it anyways, what, are you going to make it and go put it in a starving person's mouth? You could do that. I don't think anyone would, though. Like, I, I can't just walk outside and be like, hey, I made this. <laughs> the starving people that are out in your out in your pool? Out my pool. Drowning? No, actually, the pool. The pool is so... The pool hungry. is... You feed the pool with bunnies, though. Yeah. All the lively creatures. We had a, we had a discussion before we started recording that about Sarah's pool and how it's... Uh, what, at least two animals have tried to... Okay, so it's claimed victims. Um, my pool is a murderer, and it claimed a small, poor... I'm pretty sure it was quite young mole... Uh, it drowned. And then this morning, the squirrel tried to drink from it. So the pool keeps enticing the small mammals, mm. and I need it to stop. It's going to move up the chain, though. Like, hmm, maybe dogs. And <laughs> oh, look at that part, that, that toddler over there. Like, it's going <laughs> to. It's going to start claiming. It's just going to be like, feed me. <laughs> like, Before you know it, it's a sci fi channel original horror movie. <laughs> about my pool. Yeah, about Fantastic. your pool. Yeah, my pool's a murderer, guys. It has claimed one victim and it's hungry for more. <laughs> hungry. And it's so hungry, hungry like the wolf. But let us jump into the subject of today's podcast, Kyle. Deliver us <laughs> the great news. Yeah. So this is actually a suggestion from Joe. Um, but I like this topic because I kind of have a little bit of personal experience, not directly with it, but anecdotally, um, I was a Boy Scout when I was younger. Um, so I have a lot of experience being out in the wilderness and being in nature, uh, being out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we would go on a camping trip every month. There would be a weekend where I was not necessarily looking for, I'm not going to say that I loved the outdoors and that I was a happy camper all the time, but there was one week in a month uh, every month where we would go camping, except for I think December we didn't because of Christmas, obviously. And then I think January we didn't because the weather was just very cold. But we would go on a camp out um, and we'd go to all different kinds of, you know, state parks. You know, I've been to Turkey Run, um, McCormick's Creek, um, you know, Shades, uh, Mounds. I've been to most of the state parks here in Indiana. Um, and so the topic for tonight is missing 411. So for those of you who don't know, missing 411, uh, and I did take a ton of notes. So if you guys are watching on the video, you'll notice me looking over here a lot. That's where my notes are. Um, but missing 411 are disappearances that occur in or near U.S. national parks, rural areas, or large reserves of public land. So these happen way out, basically. Um, most prevalently, like I said, they happen in U.S. national parks, though, which leads to some theories about why they happen. But we'll get to that when we get to the theory section. So 
The most prevalent hotspot for missing 411 cases is Yosemite National Park. I actually didn't deep dive into too many Yosemite cases just because I think a lot of people have heard about them. Uh, a lot of the cases occur near bodies of water and or granite boulders. Um, mm. Often the disappeared uh, is only a short distance from their group or from safety. So a lot of these cases, um, someone will say, oh, hang on, I've got to go get something. And they'll go two yards away. The person that they were talking to is like, hey, they haven't been, you know, they where they go? And they'll go and that person has disappeared. Uh, the victims are often seasoned uh, outdoorsmen and women, uh, hikers, hunters, people that know these backwoods very well. Uh, the uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, 411 is actually a computer term that refers to uh, an instance where data cannot be found or is corrupted. You can kind of think of it like if you go to try to go to a web page that isn't there anymore, uh, it'll come up with a 401 page. So a 411 page or a 411 error in a computer is a similar thing where it's like, oh, that thing that you wanted to get is not there anymore. Um, in these 411 disappearances, there's usually no scent for a, uh, a scent dog to follow, or they won't follow the scent if they get one. They'll spend months looking for these folks. Search and Rescue will spend months or maybe even years. Um, and if they don't show back up, because they do, if these people don't show back up, their bodies are not often found. And if their bodies are found, there's really bizarre circumstances around the body. Like it might be kind of mutilated in a weird way or it's placed strangely, like it was placed or it fell from somewhere and when there's nothing around that it could have fallen from. Uh, clothes or other keepsakes may show up in places that have already been searched. So there's been, I've seen a couple stories where people have been searching a certain area and search and rescue has come through like, you know, an abandoned cabin two or three times. And then like the fourth time they search it, there'll be a pile of clothes there. That was that person's clothes. Um, as I hinted uh, just a, a minute ago, sometimes people do reappear. And if they do reappear, they'll have no memory of what happened to them or they'll have a really strange story about what happened to them, uh, despite how long it's been since they appeared or maybe if they appeared thousands of miles from where they disappeared. So with that out of the way, um, kind of that overview, we'll go ahead and jump into some of the case studies. So I went and deep dove on three case studies and I kind of tried to cover a gamut of what happened and the different kinds of people that it happens to. Uh, so the first case is Glenn and Bessie Hyde. This occurred in, yeah, this occurred, this is actually probably one of the most famous 411 cases. This happened in 1928 in Grand Canyon National Park. So again, like I said, this is one of the older 411 cases. This is one of the most famous. So the story goes that Glenn Hyde built a boat uh, to take Bessie and him down the Colorado River uh, through Grand Canyon National Park. And this is the Colorado River is hundreds of miles long, and uh, yeah, at some point it goes through the Grand Canyon. Uh, this was ostensibly for their honeymoon, but also Glenn reportedly wanted to win a boating speed record for travel down the Colorado River. So I guess two birds with one stone. <laughs> hey, honey, <laughs> let's go down the river for honeymoon, and also we you can. That would be the... great for honeymoon if I beat this record. That could well, be your gift to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a gift to her, too, because if he did that, Bessie would also become the first woman to have ever made the trip down the entire Colorado River. And again, this was in 1928. So this oh, was wow. okay. the era when records were being made. Um, during the trip, they made several side hikes. You know, they stopped and got out and went on some hikes and they came across a photographer, Emery Kolb, 
who took photos of them, which you can actually Google uh, those photos, Google uh, Glenn and Bessie Hyde. There's a photo of them standing in front of a rock wall. That's the photo that MRE took. Now, the couple never arrived at their destination at the end of the river. Um, Glenn's father noticed that they weren't back yet, and so he asked the park rangers to send an airplane over the river, which would be the fastest way, and see if they could find the couple's boat. Um, back, again, 1928, airplane was not the cheapest method of finding someone. I didn't do any research, but now I'm thinking, like, these people might have had money. I mean, this dude built a boat in his spare time, and his dad had the park rangers send an airplane. In 1928, an airplane over this river to look for him. Um, Emery and Ellsworth Kolb, which I don't know if Ellsworth is his brother or something, uh, also joined the search. They also provided their photos to the police, uh, the photo that they took, which is how we have that photo. Um, they found the boat. The boat was undamaged, untipped, and without a sign of struggle. The supplies that they had were still in the boat, as far as we know. And this is where I want to diverge just a minute to give a critique of, of um, when people give reports like this. Don't say that you found all their supplies. Don't say that you found all of someone's possessions in a place. Do you know that that's all that person has? Like if you find – if you're like, well, we found three tins of spam, so that's obviously all that they had. Um, <laughs> like what if they had four and you just don't know? It's just – it's a nitpick. But when I read – you know, when I research and do stuff like this and I find that someone's like, oh, that was all they had. It was, it was right there in the car still. How do you know that's all they had? I feel um, like that's more of like a – like. It's just, it's putting flavor into the story, but I agree. It's like, you don't know, they could have had more than what you're seeing and they threw some stuff out before you found whatever they had left of what they had. It's like, especially if you're camping or doing anything like that, you're usually bringing a lot of stuff with you. And in my experience, you've thrown some stuff away before the end of it, so. Right. Well, and there's no, I couldn't figure out, I couldn't find in my research if there was any valuables in the boat, like if their wallets were still there or, you know, if there was like a diamond necklace still there. So I don't know if, you know, we always want to attribute human motive, like, well, if their valuables were stolen, it was probably a human motive, like somebody wanted to rob them. Mm -hmm. uh, but no word on that. Um, but I will say this did include the supplies that they found, did include Bessie's diary and a camera. So a camera back then would have still been expensive. So I think that, uh, you know, that probably would have been taken. Again, the couple was nowhere to be found. Years later, um, a body of a man in his 20s was found buried near Emery Kolb's cabin. A bullet, uh, they found a bullet in the man's skull. However, it was later determined that this was not the body of Glenn Hyde. Um, but it did cast Emery and, uh, what's what's their name, Ellsworth, as a suspect for many years. Um at least of killing some other rando that happened upon their property. Uh, now, some people do say that you can see Bessie's ghost standing in the Colorado River in the evening time. Uh, it's not confirmed, obviously, because it's a ghost, and you know how I feel about ghosts. But uh, <laughs> um, Big magic, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> big magic. If you guys want to do further reading on the case of Glenn and Bessie Hyde, there's a book, uh, Sunk Without Sound, The Tragic Colorado River Honeymoon of Glenn and Bessie Hyde by Brad Dimmick. Uh, there's also other material that's been written and there's newspaper clippings and things, but uh, that's the most substantial body of, of uh, story about it. But it's a really pretty simple story. But again, this was one of the most famous ones just because I think of its age and it gained some publicity. Like I said, I, I have to speculate that Glenn had some money or his family did. Um, oh, it seems yeah, like... He definitely had money. Because even if you look at the pictures, um, you can tell that they were well off. <laughs> um, 
just you can tell by the way they were dressed for that time that they were better than most if not i'm not saying they were uber gobs rich but they were well off like they didn't have to worry about their bills being paid or anything like they could build a boat which if you google these pictures like i just did yeah that was pretty good craftsmanship was it Mm -hmm considered like the best boat in the world no but he also built a really decent boat so yeah that takes time and also money to do because lumber well i don't know how cheap lumber was then but it's not cheap now so no no the lorax uh that's a good movie to watch if you want to learn about lumber no just kidding <laughs> number <laughs> i speak for the trees um but no the boat was solid they, the articles i read mentioned that the boat was very solid that wasn't the boat's craftsmanship was never um, thought to have any connection with their disappearance. And like I said, the boat was undamaged anyways. Um, I mean, I guess it could have been alive, could have like tipped them out, but yeah, so they were never found. I mean, and this was 1928 and they were in their twenties, so they wouldn't be alive now. I wouldn't think, Um, but we won't know what happened to them because we just don't know. Um, Second case is uh, a kind of a weird one. This is the case of Stephen Kubacki. This happened in February of 1977 around the Lake Michigan area. Mm-hmm. And so these next two are kind of, they're 411s. They're a little bit looser in terms of the definition because when I started the research, I thought it was only national parks, but they do classify it as also being rural areas or public, like public lands. It doesn't necessarily have to be a national park. Um, so this was a 25 year old German student, uh, Steven, he goes cross country skiing through the snow at Lake Michigan. Um, now it's not clear from my research exactly where this happened. Um, but it was probably near Manistee national forest, uh, which is on the east, like the Northeastern edge of the lake. And that's actually in Michigan itself. It's not in the glove. It's in the other part the part that's North of Ohio. Um, he reached the edge of the lake. Uh, and he took off his skis and he took off his backpack and he sat down on the edge of the lake to to catch his breath. Um, as a note, like I said, this took place probably on the edge of Manistee National Forest. Uh, this is also squarely in the Lake Michigan Triangle, which is also kind of an infamous location. We're not going to really go into depth here, but it is also interesting that it happened right here in the, the Michigan Triangle. Um, there's a couple of honorable mentions in terms of disappearances and weird things. There's the uh, there was a ship with uh, collision damage, and the ship was uh, washed up on shore, you know, with with tons of collision damage. No crew, crew were never heard from again, and there was no other ship in the area that reported being hit or or damaged. Uh, and that was the ship uh, Rosa Bell. Uh, there was a captain uh, by the name of George R. Donner on a, uh, a freight ship in Lake Michigan. One night he goes into his cabin to go to bed. And then the next day when a crewman says they're coming into port and he needs to you know, get out so they can unload the ship, he is has disappeared from his locked cabin room, never to be seen again. Uh, and then there was also Northwest Flight 2501. Uh, this was a flight back in 1950. It was carrying 58 people. It crashed into the lake and was never found. Uh, and this was after the pilot had reported severe electrical storms and uh, disturbances. See, this is why I consider like Michigan. Like when people think of a lake, they're just like, oh, it's a lake. But if you've ever been to Lake Michigan, it acts more like an ocean it than really anything does. I've ever seen. I'm just like, this is a lake. You're like, it is awesome and powerful, and yeah, it still holds many secrets. And like I said, we're not going to cover the Michigan Triangle on this episode. Maybe we can do that next year. It's not a, I don't think there's enough meat there, but 
you know, it's it's possibly related. I mean, it's right next to Manistee. So anyways, um, so this bro, bro sitting on the edge of the lake, he got chilly. Um, so he stands up and he looks around to realize that he's actually lost. Um, take a sidestep to um, civilization. It's this point that he's declared missing. It was uh, a day later and it was he was declared missing. Um, a search team found his ski poles and skis at the edge of the lake. And there was only one set of footprints leading towards the water, but none leading away. So they had assumed that he had drowned himself, although they weren't able to figure out how because the water was still frozen solid. So if he had broken the ice, there would have been some sign. There would have been fresh ice, but it was still solid. Flashback to Stephen. He remembers waking up. He doesn't remember falling asleep, but he remembers waking up and realizing that it was spring. He didn't recognize the backpack that was laying next to him uh, or any of the clothes that he was wearing. Uh, The backpack contained goggles and maps and accessories that he did not own. So he he gets up and he hikes around until he gets to the nearest town where a stranger informs him that he's in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, which is 700 miles away. A newspaper article from the Times cites this as happening on May 5th, 1979. And so that puts it over 14 months since he'd sat down on the edge of Lake Michigan. Um, He went and found his relatives and his relatives were like, oh, my gosh, you're back from the dead. And he was reunited with his relatives. But he had no recollection of what had happened in those 14 months. He was so disturbed by what had happened to him that he actually because since he was going to school, he changed his major. He earned a Ph.D. in psychology and did extensive studies to find out how he'd lost his memory for such an unprecedented amount of time. He actually later published a book called, get ready for this, this is a mouthful, Metamathematical Foundations of Existence, Goodell, Quantum, God, and Beyond. I mean, it sounds like a book title that I would write about a scientist who (laughs) discovers teleportation. But anyways, uh, this book talks about the possibilities of alternate universes. Um, also, if you look him up, dude looks a little bit like Robin Williams, just going to say. But uh, no. <laughs> so maybe, maybe, no, anyways, I'm not going to grow up. Maybe joke. it's Robin. Cries Robin. inside. Cries, <laughs> yeah, instantly cries. Um, but yeah, no, that one's intriguing. I like how he didn't just assume he lost his memory. Well, experts had said that while it could be a case of memory loss, it's very unusual that it would have gone on that long and he would, the, the loss would have been so complete. Like he's never recovered any memories of what happened after he sat down on the edge of Lake Michigan. Yeah, so it's just bizarre. Like to miss that much time and be in a completely different state. Right. Like that would have set me off. I've been like, do I have personality disorder? You know, because it could have triggered like a personality disorder or something. And then that personality took over for 14 months and you have no memory. Maybe it's something like that. But to have that case, because usually even people with severe uh, mental disorders like that uh, have at least a little bit of memory of the transition or what happened. So it's interesting to see this person just like, oh, I'm gonna go ski. Oh, look, Lake Michigan. And then poof, how did I get in Massachusetts? Right. <laughs> Where am I? This isn't my stuff. Where's my family? <laughs> like, yeah. that would have just crippled me because I would have thought so many different theories. Well, I mean, so like, it's obvious that, you know, whatever happened to him, he was living some other life for 14 months. Right. 
but the scary thing is like, what did he do during those 14 months? Where did he go? Did he do something that is going to come back to haunt him 20 years later when someone shows up at his doorstep and is like, you know, what'd you do to my sister? Or, you know, like, <laughs> you I stole mean, it's, my story. <laughs> it's getting very soap opera, but like, you know, you don't, I, that's why I don't really do, you know, I don't really do drugs. I don't drink. Like, I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that control or right. that, that awareness that I have. I like to be able to connect the dots from A to B and not have a point in the middle where I don't remember. Um, but yeah, again, Robin Williams. So that was the last time I had on that dude. Um, so the last deep dive case we have is Keith Parkins. And this happened in 1952 in Ritter, Oregon. Uh, now, Ritter, Oregon is a unincorporated uh, part of Oregon. It's like a little town. It's slightly to the south and west of Umatilla, or Umatilla National Forest. So another national forest. Um, this two-year-old boy, he's staying with his grandfather on his grandfather's ranch, uh, in Oregon. Uh, he's playing outside, uh, with his jacket on, but he was not like this. This was like a, a windbreaker. He wasn't really equipped to st spend the night out alone. My research shows that it was April 10th. So probably still pretty cold. In fact, according to Edna Parkins, his mom, there were patches of snow on the ground, according, uh, like I said, according to her. Keith's uh, two older brothers were out playing on the ranch, uh, and then they, her, you know, his mom called and called them in for lunch, and then when they came in, she said, "Where's Keith?" And they said, "Well, Keith went around the barn to hide." So when they went out to find him, he was gone. Uh, after you know about an hour of trying to search for him, they called in, you know, search and rescue. Uh, now this was, you know, the '50s, so. Search and rescue wasn't really what it is today, but uh, Edna says that the search uh, was still pretty efficient. They started out with a, like a, a line of people, you know, and just went out in every compass direction. Uh, searchers found footprints that walked through a cattle herd about three miles from the ranch. Uh, however, the footprints disappeared. Uh, they made that discovery uh, in the evening. And then around 7 a.m. the next day, a searcher found Keith laying face down in the snow in Skull Canyon, which is roughly 12 miles from where he'd last been seen. He was alive, somehow. Uh, his hat and coat were beside him in the snow. His face was scratched and his clothes were ripped. And some people speculate this is possibly from him trying to get through the barbed wire fencing around the ranch. However, in interviews, Keith mentions a cat scratching him. And remember, this is a two-year-old boy, so you're not gonna get an exact accounting of what happened. Uh, he was taken to the hospital and he did recover fully, um, despite laying in the snow uh, in sub-zero temperatures overnight. Um, he would have had to have walked 8 to 12 miles in 19 hours, if we assume he disappeared right at noon, which is when Edna, uh, Edna Parkins says she last saw him. Uh, actually, Lee Stroud, a survivor man, he filmed a segment for a missing 411 documentary, and he demonstrated how impossible it would have been for two-year-old Keith to actually get that far on his own. Like, for instance, Keith would have had to toddle over two mountain ranges. Um, there's been some theories that have included uh, – a pretty good theory that includes that he was abducted by a wildcat, um, and the wildcat had him in. The searchers were actually getting close to the wildcat, so the wildcat had to, get, had to keep getting further and further away. That's how he was able to get so far away. But then why did the cat leave him alone? Why didn't the cat maim him or, you know, not to be dark, but why didn't the cat, you know, finish Claim him? the victim, yeah. Yeah, finish him and then take him away. Um, and again, Keith was too. I don't even, not even sure if he's still alive. I mean, he could be, could very well be, but uh, we won't, we won't ever get any more information than what we've got. Mm -hmm. um, now, 
I will say there's plenty of cases where kids do not make it or do not reappear or do reappear and they're not alive. And um, so I didn't do any deep dives on those. I wanted to do the deep dive on this one because the kid did did survive. Uh, still pretty weird, but uh, don't like kids being hurt. Um, so that is the last case I have for the deep dive. What do you think about that one? Ooh, okay, so for me, that is bizarre. And the only thing I could actually think of is that an animal did carry them. Um, there have been instances where, like, you hear the stories, you know, kids raised by animals. Uh, when it comes to cats, however, usually they're more like feral, and it's like, I'm not going to take something in unless it's, like, familiar to me. Right. So for a cat, especially a wild cat, to just take a kid, it wouldn't be surprising if the cat was just like, oh, you're not food and drops it. <laughs> oh, you're not my young. <laughs> right. Or you're not my kid. What the hell? <laughs> Drop you here. Hope someone finds you. Good luck. <laughs> the cat watched a jungle book. Right. It's like, I've seen this movie. <laughs> uh, so yeah. that that wouldn't be out of the question. Is it bizarre they made it that far and laid in the snow for that long and still survived? Absolutely. Like, to... The, I can't, even as an adult, I'm just like, my body is so, I'm 29. My body, my knee hurts. If I was laying out in the snow, yeah, I'd probably die, especially in those temperatures. So for a kid to survive, that baffles me. Right. That baffles me a lot. Him, so. him surviving is the baffling part for me. It's not the traveling, because yes, honestly, as far-fetched as it is, the most logical answer is that he was carried by a person or an animal, but how he survived, that's, you know, he- he, That's a miracle to me. (laughs) So I do have a few honorable mentions. These are just quick ones that I didn't do a deep dive on either because there wasn't enough in there or they just, they weren't as bizarre. Um, We have Dennis Martin. Uh, This happened in 1969. Uh, This happened in the Smoky Mountains National Park. Uh, this was a six-year-old kid. Uh, he was, uh, and I didn't write super great notes on these. I'm just remembering what I read. Um, a six-year-old kid, he um, was uh, with his brothers and his dad and his grandpa. They were camping out for Father's Day, which was apparently a tradition. Uh, this happened in the Smoky Mountains, like I said. Um, some other guy comes over and is like, hey, my kids and your kids are the same age. They can play hide and seek. Um, Dennis goes to hide behind a tree or bush. I've seen both versions. It's either a tree or bush. He goes to hide behind a tree while playing hide and seek, and he never comes out. And I swear I have heard of like a no sleep story that went just Uh like that. Um, Never found him. He was in the Appalachian. They were right next to the Appalachian Trail. Um, There was there was a weird sighting someone had at the same time, um, like 10 or 20 miles away of a a, a rough hairy man up in the mountains running up the trail at the same time of the disappearance. However, the trail systems aren't connected and there's no real evidence that this had anything to do with the case. And there's no, the person who saw the hairy man doesn't remember what time it was. It was just on the same day. So it could have happened before or way, 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 way after. Um, But yeah, kid goes behind behind a tree and just, is not there when they go to look and that gives me chills and also is is very sad because he was a six-year-old kid that one hurts my stomach because it's like if it was my kid i well instant vomit because of the anxiety like your kid just disappeared (laughs) and that's that's why i say with these cases the most bizarre ones they disappear when they're like around a corner or something like they're just gone um the next case is danny philippitis 
I don't know how to pronounce that last name. This is the most, re well, one of the most recent ones I found. This is February of 2018. This was a uh, Canadian firefighter. He goes skiing on Whiteface Mountain in New York State, which is a park. It's not a national park, but it is like a public park. Uh, it's like a you know skiing park in New York State. He disappears on a ski run. And then six days later, his wife gets a phone call from Sacramento, California from him. He's got no memory. Uh, nobody's quite sure how he made it that far. He could do it like if he was hitching a ride in a truck, but they say it's unlikely they weren't able to track down any truck driver. No memory. When they picked him up, he had a new iPhone and a new haircut. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, and so it's just, yeah, it's strange. Um, it's, it reminds me a lot of, you know, Steven's case, yeah. um, except obviously not 14 months and a shorter, a longer distance, uh, shorter time. Right. Yeah. New haircut and a new iPhone. I don't know how that's the, the part. That's the part that's disturbing. It's like, if, where do you get the iPhone from? Like is right. some random trucker going to buy him a brand? It was a brand new iPhone, like just been activated. And so, like, what is a new tr a trucker going to hand this guy this rent? Especially a Canadian. No, I'm sorry, <laughs> that's too far. That's the true scary part. Is he was Canadian, but no. Um, so that's the part that's kind of weird. And he got a haircut in six days. Why would he have gotten anyways? See, okay, that's where I'm just like, how much of this in that? Because the human brain is still so hard to construct for us. Like we haven't really deconstructed the brain fully. So it's like, how much of it is psychological? Like, are these people in so much stress? Because, for example, that kid was going to school in our previous story. Was he under yeah. a lot of stress? Did that trigger something that was like, we're going to wipe this clean because the brain's like, there's too much happening. We need to go into emergency default mode and just have you go on autopilot. First like, priority, haircut, then a new iPhone. Gotta get the, <laughs> the brain works in Got to get those new way. apps. So like a lot of me is like, how much of it is the brain just auto resetting because it's basically short fusing really hard and how much of it is aliens. You know? Right. So. Well, we'll get to theories. One last honorable mention. These are actually, it's a threefer and they're connected. This one, for some reason, this one really bothers me. I don't know what it is about it. It's not really that crazy, but this one actually does take place in Yosemite natural park, national park. This is Stacy Aris. Jeff Estes and the Mystery Man. And these cases take place in 1981, 1976, and 1968, respectively. So in 1968, a man's body shows up in, in a crevasse in Tenure Peak. So that's T-E-N-U-R-E Peak. No cause of death was ever found. No internal or external damage. Uh, coroner was not able to figure out a cause of death. He was just laying in this crevasse. He didn't fall, just laid down and died in this crevasse. Okay, not too crazy, right? However, in 1976, Jeff Estes goes missing less than a mile from where the mystery man was found in 1981. Uh, and then in, uh, or was found in 1968, my bad. In 1981, 14-year-old uh, Stacy Aris on a horse riding trip uh, with her family and several others goes missing from Sunrise High Sierra Camp, which is very close to Tenure Peak. So these three... Weird events happened within, I don't know, probably five or 10 miles. Now, I will say a note. I was not able to locate Tenure Peak on a map or anything, uh, even Googling it. I could not find it. So if any of our listeners know where that is, I'd love to plot out exactly how far that is from High Sierra because 
while it doesn't say exactly where Jeff Estes is, my research shows he goes missing less than a mile away, so probably on a trail. Um, but Sunrise High Sierra Camp I was able to find, but I could not find Tenure Peak. So cannot confirm the geographical distances on that one. However, everything I read for, about um, Stacey Aris says that she was close to Tenure Peak. So um, two disappearances and one mysterious corpse uh, in the same area in Yosemite. I, for some reason, that really kind of gave me the oogies. I was like, oh, that's weird. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's it's like too many coincidences lining up. It's like, oh, no, that's like, you know, my mom dying and then, you know, <laughs> my grandpa having a stroke and then a car accident within you know by that same distance or time frame i'd be like okay who drugged the punch like what happened <laughs> weird did you know that lincoln's secretary's name was no like the, the <laughs> like the dumb contrived coincidences that people bring out of the party um so those are the cases uh let's talk about theories this is the fun part i don't have a whole lot of notes because well one we're kind of running a well, we're not running too short on time, but uh, let's get into the theories. We can just kind of chat about these. There's a couple of main theories. Uh, theory number one, obviously, is that it's all just natural causes and coincidences, but that's not interesting because if that was what it was, we wouldn't be talking about it. Um, <laughs> theory number two is Bigfoot. Somehow, uh, <laughs> I'm. that's a legitimate theory. Really? I don't know how it's Bigfoot or other creatures from Appalachian mythology, I guess, like maybe the, the Jersey Devil. I don't know. Or the, the skunk ape, maybe. I, I think that's kind of the same thing as Bigfoot. I'm going to lay it out right here. Sorry, Joe. I don't find Bigfoot that interesting. I mean, if he's he could very well be real. I just if he's real, it's like, OK, it's kind of like another ape thing. Like it's another right. species. I personally don't see how Bigfoot would be connected to these disappearances and bizarre cases. However, it is a theory that has been posed. I think it's probably just one of those that people are like, if it happens in the woods and it's weird, gotta be a squatch. Like, gotta be a squatch. <laughs> gotta be a squatch. Um, or other creatures from Appalachian mythology, which I did not research what those are, but. Um, Wendigo? Are they? Yes, actually, the Wendigo has been cited as a, as a possible reason. I think. Hmm. I love the Wendigo. Yeah. The Wendigo from mythology, not the Wendigo that he's been recently portrayed in like yeah. episodes of Supernatural. He's like a weird like yeah. creature, like a golem kind of like that's not the Wendigo. Wendigo is a giant imposing spirit. Like he's a murderous mm. well, he's a punishment, really. i have you ever noticed that? And I'm gonna go on a tangent here. In a lot of First Nations myths about like how like skinwalkers are created or like the Wendigos. It's usually like there. It's a punishment. This guy murdered somebody, so now he's being punished by becoming a skinwalker. How's that a punishment? That's like if someone robs a bank, you're gonna give them a gun that fires infinite ammo. Like that's your punishment. Like well, that's not a punishment. That's a reward. Why See, would you? It's only a punishment if the person feels guilty. Like feels guilty yeah. after the murder and then is sentenced to a life of murder. Like that's the only way that's a punishment. Unless it's, it'd be like, okay, murder, we're going to give you powers to murder more. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, now for the Wendigo, it actually does kind of make sense because the Wendigo is, I want to say it's Cree. I'm going to mess it up. I'm sorry, any First Nations listeners. I don't remember which peoples the legend originally is, but it's from the north, the more northern, a lot of the more like lake-focused tribes. Um, the Wendigo myth is it's usually a person who commits cannibalism is infected with the spirit of the Wendigo and they become a Wendigo, which is this giant 
horrible monster. But it is a punishment because while that person is now a giant horrible monster, they can never satisfy their hunger. Yeah. They've just got to keep eating and they can never satisfy that hunger. So they're just constantly tormented by this hunger. Um, so, yeah, but still they get to be a cool monster. And uh, if you read The Wendigo by Algernon Blackwood, which is my favorite depiction of the Wendigo, like the dude can fly. He can disguise himself as other as people um, like. All right. But he also eats moss. So I don't <laughs> it's kind of weird. You know what, we're going to have to do, uh, one of the spooky brews is going to be the myth of the Wendigo, because I've always been fascinated, and that's probably one of the myths that I'm like, oh yeah, the, like, screw a Sasquatch, like, give me Wendigo. Yeah, like, read, read, read Algernon's Blackwood, Algernon Blackwood's Wendigo, there is a, there's a problematic character in there, but it was also, like, the, the 10s or 20s when he wrote oh, it, yeah. so, but it's free, it's on the Gutenberg Project, you can get it for free, no, no purchase okay. needed, it's, 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 one of my favorite spooky stories, and it's free. Um, next theory, aliens. Of course. Aliens. Of course. Now, um, I found this interesting because while there are UFO sightings that sometimes occur around the time of a disappearance, people will say they see lights in the sky. In fact, for Stephen's case, um, several park rangers said they saw lights in the sky over Lake Michigan. Um, I couldn't find any evidence of survivors, you know, people who have reappeared that – claim they were abducted nobody has memories of of being in an alien craft or being taken anywhere they don't have any memories at all which is very different than alien abduction cases that you usually hear about where they're like oh that alien touched my butt you know like right you don't you don't none of them talk about being abducted which makes me think it probably is not ufos or aliens now it could be right. ufo but that's not if, alien but but what if those are the true alien abduction stories because the aliens like if you're abducting a human you don't want them to remember that especially if you're doing some stuff like you that's true you why would them. we remember exactly yeah. i feel like they would wipe the slate clean and they would deliver us back and be like okay we've got what we needed they don't need to know our existence because that would blow the fabric of their reality and they couldn't handle it type of situation. Or if they've, so, got, a, if they've got a deal with our government, you know, <laughs> the government would tell them like, don't make, make sure they don't remember. Um, yeah. We, did we cover aliens last year? Did we talk about aliens? No. I feel we like should we talk did. about aliens. Okay, we should talk about aliens. I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> Base, uh, TLDR, the foreshadowing, if we do talk about the root, the spoiler, I don't think aliens aren't real. I think there's, there's very much, I think they probably are. I just really don't care that much about them. Like if right, the government, right. if the government was like aliens are real, like, all right. I mean, I figured they were so great. Yeah. It'd be kind of ignorant to sit here on this planet and be like, there's no other life mm. besides us. We're the only life I in feel the like, whole universe. Yeah. I feel like statistically it's more probable than not. Yeah. It's just, I don't, one, I don't know if I necessarily believe that the universe is small enough that they would ever find us or would ever find them. Cause like they'd have to be pretty darn close, cosmically pretty darn right. close for us to ever see them. And two, I don't know that they would interact with us. You know what I mean? Like right. they, yeah. Anyways, I, I just, yeah. Aliens, I do believe in them. I just, I really don't care that much. I don't think they're what we portray them as. No, no. And do I believe in UFOs? Heck yes. Heck mm -hmm. yes. I don't necessarily believe they're aliens, though. Yeah, same. There's, there's many more things that they could be. But anyways, so I don't believe the aliens theory about these missing 411s. Um, there's people that believe it could be a shadowy government program, uh, possibly abducting people for experimentation or for programs like MKUltra. 
um, you know, my brainwashing, that kind of thing. Maybe that's where CIA agents come from. They were, you know, maybe Stacey Aros is now a, a, you know, a secret service agent, yeah. but, um, a couple of different points for this being possibly what the explanation is, is, um, institutional apathy. Government doesn't seem to care about these cases. Um, you know, when interviewed or asked, they don't have much to say about missing 411. They don't really believe it's a phenomenon. Okay. Um, members of the National Park Service have denied requests, like reasonable requests for case files. Um, when different agencies are on the scene looking for these people, they often act in very different ways. Like they have different agendas. They don't want to interact with the survivors' families. Excuse me. They don't want to interact with the Park Service or the local police. Um, they've got like their own mission that they've got going on. And then I guess the last point is it happens on government ground, technically. I mean, I guess that would make it That's slightly fair. easier. I mean, you're on... I mean, it's public property, but at the same time, it's also the state's property. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I, I'm not like the rose-colored glasses guy. That like our government wouldn't do that. But right. Like, I'm also but not the, the guy time. that's. I'm also not a new world order kind of guy. So I, I don't know. I kind of have to toe the line, and you know, maybe I'm sure that at some point a park uh, employee. I love our national parks, but I'm sure at some point a park employee like went hatchet crazy and you know went out in the woods and found a campsite and you know made him disappear but do i think that's necessarily what's happening on a large scale i don't know i don't think so I, it just doesn't ring true to me yeah i kind of agree with you there because it's like do i believe there was an illuminati at one point sure do i believe it is where it is now no <laughs> that's yeah. where i'm at it's like yes there i i'm not gonna sit there and say that there's no conspiracies that aren't real and that the government's not hiding things because duh but at the same time i guess what would be hard for me is where is the money or the value in this type of thing for the government to get involved right so yeah, i'm just yeah. like i don't understand where the game is the catch um, it's easy it's yeah it's easy to say the government did it. It's harder to say why. Yeah. Like, or or maybe even how. But anyways, um, the next theory is interdimensional wormholes. <laughs> I like this one. I'm going to be honest. I, it's I would believe that more. So I believe in, okay, so I think I have a theory about ghosts too, which I won't spoil here, but I believe that time rips could be a valuable clause because ever since what the, i don't even know if this article was bs or not but they're like we we have actually discovered that there are time rips and they do exist but that's all we have <laughs> i'm just right. like good enough for me <laughs> as as a person of faith i can also confidently say i believe in multiple universe theory i definitely do um is it 70% because I want that to be true. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't claim to have done a ton of research. I'm, I'm the guy that's like, I'm the, okay. I'm not gonna make it political, but I'm like, I'm the guy that hasn't done the research, but thinks he has just cause I like it. <laughs> I'm not gonna make it political or topical, but yeah, you know, you probably know where I'm going or I was going like, I haven't done that research, but I feel like an authority on it. And, uh, and yeah, I want that to be true, and I believe that it, it is very possible. Do I believe that's what's happening here? I don't know. Cases like Stephen and uh, Danny's cases where they kind of lost their memory and ended up in different places, I don't know. That 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 makes it plausible. Do I think it's 100% what's happening? No, of course not. But it is a possibility, and I'm not saying that just because I wrote an entire story about interdimensional travel, <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, it's it's an interesting one, and I I think it's you know, 
it's definitely something to explore. I don't know how you would ever prove that or disprove it. That's the only problem is uh, unless we we had some way to measure dimensional travel, I don't know that we would ever be able to prove or disprove that. Right. But it kind of reminds me of death theory, where it's like you have died in a major like uh, natural disaster or something, but you don't remember. And you come back kind of in the same, a different timeline at the exact time, but not during the natural disaster. I'm just like, oh, that that theory throws me off so bad because I was like, I wouldn't remember either. I can't even remember my dreams on my best days. (laughs) Well, there's there's I love multiple universe theory because it opens up this whole cadre of very interesting and just at the base level, disturbing theories. Have you ever heard of the invincibility theory? Mm-hmm. It's basically that since there are, if we assume there are an almost infinite number of universes, there is a universe where you cannot be killed. And you may be living in that unit. You may be living in that reality right now, but there's only one way to figure that out. Oh, <laughs> and I'm, no, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm really simplifying it. I love, I, Oh man, maybe next year. Cause I feel like there's plenty more spooky topics to cover, but at some point I would love to do one on just weird and disturbing science like that. Like right. thought experiments. Like there's, there's also another one. I saw a YouTube video about the most dangerous thought. And oh. like, if you think this thought you like, you are actually putting yourself in danger from like a future consciousness. But anyways, I won't, I won't spoil it, but um, I'd love to do one just on like disturbing thought experiments. But anyways, I'll have to look that up. Uh, last theory that I have to cover um is it's very very recent is feral people living in national parks now this was made popular on tiktok actually just this year 2021 um there was a a kind of chilling story from ariel uh tiktok user uh the present believer um about her going on a camping trip and her hearing screaming in the night during a camping trip Mm, and uh, screaming things like yeah help call the ranger we're gonna die and then a woman saying I love you. Just know that. And uh, they called the park rangers and they called, you know, they're like, hey, we've heard we heard screaming last night over here and they didn't find anything. And this kind of ignited a bunch of TikTokers going in and going to parks and talking about their theories about could there possibly be a race of feral people living in national parks? And I got to tell you, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, come on. And then I was reading it. I'm like, probably not the least likely thing on this list. Probably a lot more likely than Bigfoot. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it'd probably be a okay, if it was Bigfoot or feral people, I'd be like, I mean, there's plenty of times I wanted to dissociate from society and be feral. <laughs> like, yeah. Even in my own days, I'm like, I could just not and just go in a forest somewhere. Yeah. So, is that believable? Absolutely. That does happen throughout the world anyways. Like there are tribes that we haven't even discovered yet that live amongst us that obviously if you land there, you will die because, you know. I mean, that's one of the theories behind what UFOs are is that they're not aliens. They're people that we forgot exist, which I think is fun. It's a fun that's experiment. That's more plausible. <laughs> that's definitely it plausible. probably is, honestly. But, um, but yeah, so feral people, people that have lived in the national parks for generations and have grown up either, you know, cannibalistic or murderous and... Yeah, it's kind of like uh, The Forest, if anybody's ever played yeah. that game. Yeah, The Forest, creepy game. Um, good game. I can't play good it all the way through. Creepy game. Good game, creepy game. Yeah, that game and um, there's that game I couldn't get through, and there's another game. I think it's Alan Wake. Those two games oh, I yeah. could not get through. I was like, nope, we're done here. <laughs> I can't yeah. do that. My psyche's too weak. 
Yeah, forest is basically like four one one simulator. You're just in the forest because your plane crashed, and then get attacked by mutant cannibals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the realities I don't want to be real. Um, but that is missing 411. So that's all the the stuff I had. But I mean, you can literally, there's hundreds of cases you could, and most of them are bizarre. I mean, there's nothing that's like super, like, there's nothing that stood out to me as being like, oh my gosh, like, I, it's, my world's changed just because of the evidence that we have. But um, all of them are just a little bit different. All of them are a little bit disturbing. Um, you know, weird, weird, weird stuff. So. Crazy, crazy world. (laughs) Don't go camping. Yeah, like I said at the top of the show, I, you know, I went camping for years as a kid. I went camping basically from like sixth grade to, excuse me, basically sixth grade to like graduating high school. Camping every, every, you know, uh, every month, once, once, once a month. And uh, stuff like this makes me not want to go camping anymore. Thinking about it now, because I often went camping with my dad, and it was usually some well-known park that would have a lake that we'd fish at for the day and then camp at night. Um, so thinking about that now, as an adult, me being a gullible child, <laughs> like yeah. anything could have happened. I could have been that kid that was like, Dad, find me behind the tree, and I'm freaking gone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So... No. <laughs> don't go outside guys that's just that's the moral don't of the story camp. don't go oh. outside there's horrible things out there for you Bring a from gun. windigos to feral people to aliens <laughs> who knows uh well I, I did say bring a gun but i was like i guess that wouldn't help because some of these people were hunters so i guess never mind well, didn't seem to help them very a much feral person <laughs> yeah i guess not if they got a hatchet made of bones and sticks Maybe they're just that buff, you know, like Superman strength level buff. Yeah. Well, I was thinking it bounce right off. Feral people. I know it's it sounds funny, but it's really not that far-fetched. It's not far-fetched it's, at all. It that is the most believable thing that I could associate it with. Let me let me just do a real quick. Uh how big is Yosemite National Park? Yosemite National Park is 1,169 square miles, which is in acres. How many acres is it? 748,000 acres. Yeah, no, feral people it is. (laughs) They live in there. Yeah, I don't know how you would even cover that. Hours open, 24 hours. We're good to know. I think you would have to, like... Even a park ranger, I bet, hasn't covered every inch of a national park. Oh, yeah. Well, and then you have parks where it's hard to get around. Like, you have parks like um, the uh, Superior National Forest, which is host to Boundary Waters, which I've been to several times, which is just this gigantic chain of lakes. The only way to get around there because of legalities is with a canoe. Like the park rangers go in canoes because you can't, you have to get out of the water and hike and get back in the water and get out of the water and hike. Like the best way to get through there is either with a seaplane or a canoe. So getting anywhere takes forever, even for a park ranger. So unless they're able to use some method of transportation, I'm not aware of. But yeah, it's there's some of these parks are, you know, you got lakes and mountain ranges and yeah, 
So that also makes me wonder have park rangers gone missing, which I definitely there's probably a lot of cases where park rangers have like disappeared and not come back, which is awful because ugh, but I imagine those cases are under 401 as well. I don't know because it doesn't uh it doesn't say I tried to look it up and it does not. Because that would be a theory. Has a park ranger ever went missing? And if it's never happened, I'd be kind of like. That would be suspicious. I could see the suspicious. <laughs> I could see the government angle then. But then, if if the government is going to abduct people, not to be cold, wouldn't wouldn't it abduct people who don't have families? Wouldn't it abduct people who are on the streets? Yeah, that's yeah. I was trying not to be cold by saying it, but basically, that's you would think they would pull from there first. Um, if we're going to go full dystopian, like 19, what was it? 1941? Yeah. Unless they feel like if they kept doing it, it'd be a trend. So they have to mix it up a bit. <laughs> but, I guess it's actually probably more likely somebody goes missing in a park than on a city street. But then right. again, if they don't have any family, who's going to look for them? So I don't know. Anyways, we're getting really Orwellian here. Yeah, we are. <laughs> well, this is probably not not what's happening but i had like 50 theories in my brain that is about to be like unless they set up to where they dropped the body off and it was a set up murder i was like nah just stop <laughs> just stop where where it ends got any other theories about missing 411 what that could be i mean no i i can't think of any more theories and what was brought up like time rifts i really like that theory i want that theory to be real more than anything um just because i like the theory of time uh people eating people absolutely i feel like that would be my top vote because that's more realistic than anything else i've heard <laughs> keep in mind however most of the time the bodies are not found and there's no no that's chance. fair okay so yeah. the problem the problem is and the reason that's a good rabbit hole is because if you actually start trying to apply some of these theories you run into problems because of the evidence that we have and that's what makes it a good rabbit hole i don't think any one of the theories honestly fits it who's to say it couldn't be multiple like it's like getting sick with multiple illnesses at once True, i think that yeah. could that could be a possibility what if it's feral people and interdimensional wormholes like that's fair. Unless there's just some type of like the feral people know a place that we haven't discovered yet. And then one day we discover it and there's a pile of bodies. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> just a big old pile of bodies. Big old pile of bodies. <laughs> I hope not. I yeah. hope it's the time rift theory, but you know, dead yeah. body. <laughs> so just don't go in the parks, guys. Actually, don't go alone in the parks. Definitely no, it doesn't. don't go alone in the parks. No, if you parks. don't. You know, go with the group and do not leave that group. Stay yeah, with Yeah, just them. don't leave the group. You know, stay with the horror movie tropes and rules. Don't leave the group. Don't, don't go, go investigate the thing. Yeah, don't go get firewood. You don't need it. Just sitting there in the dark. <laughs> hold your hand, hold hands there, buddy. Just just don't do all those things. Don't have sex because then you'll die because you're a sinner. That's how every yeah. horror movie works. Dirty. You're dirty. Don't do it. Dirty boy. Like just like yeah. in Cabin in the Woods. They explain it. Oh perfectly. yeah. That's true. Dang. It all ties in. But anyways, guys, four one ones. That that was that was our What's episode. the four one one on Oh that works. <laughs> oh no.
What's the 411 on 411? You have to title it that way just to make it super disrespectful. Uh, sorry for anyone out there who has lost people. It may be a 411 case. I'm, I'm or if you are a 411 case, let us know. Yeah, if you've lost memories and then showed up somewhere and all of a sudden, no, let me know because I'm interested. I want to see you. Okay, actually, I have another theory to add. Yes. I think mental illness <laughs> could be a great theory. Well, and that's that is a good theory too. That that's that's theory. the only one other that I think is a possible for I mean, at it, least the two cases that we briefly talked about. Yeah. Mental that's, illness. That's probably I think honestly for a lot of the cases I think. And then then the problem with mental illness is it's so stigmatized that if if a, this the family of a disappearing was asked they'd say oh, no they don't have any mental illness even if they did just because it's so stigmatized it's like we don't want to let them know that they actually were suffering even you know? then they could have just developed it like mental illness doesn't have a yeah. you know a set start date it can happen anytime so as we saw possible. yeah as we saw from steven and danny because if nothing supernatural happened to them and they actually just lost their memory for a period of days randomly there you go. They just developed random amnesia um, on the spot. So that sh that shows it. That the brain is a magical thing. But anyway, 411 <laughs> cases, stay with your parents. Stay in groups. Don't go alone. Always have a flashlight. Always bring <laughs> snacks. Always bring snacks. <laughs> Keep your snacks away from the animals. <laughs> and stay hold safe, them, guys. Hold them close. Hold those Slim Jims close. <laughs> Bye. Are we going? Oh, bye. Are we disappearing too? <laughs> we're 411 kids. Oh, we're going to get Goodbye, everyone. Bye.